this morning were, in fact, this will be the last message on our series we've been doing for some time on the preparation for uh, revival. And we're going to conclude this morning just with, just with a final aspect I want to look at of the Feast of Tabernacles. And that is that this Feast of Tabernacles is a feast of his appearing. Now, we've mentioned that the Feast of Tabernacles is the, is the most important, is the greatest feast in the whole year. And in Leviticus 23, this speaks of seven feasts of the Lord, and there are three ones, which are three of them, which are like the most important, the principal ones, Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles. But Tabernacles is known, it's known as the greatest feast of the, of the, of the whole year. It was a time of great joy. It was a time of great celebration. It was a time of unity. It was a time of you know, God's blessing uh, upon the people. And they all would rejoice and, and, and come together. And this, this Feast of Tabernacles, it lasted not just one day, like Pentecost was just one day. This Feast of Tabernacles, it lasted seven days. And it's significant when it happened. It happened on the in the, the, the seventh month, the seventh month, and the seventh month was the, was the uh, uh, you know, a very important month. In fact, three feasts were on that, in that seventh month. And on the first day of the month, of the seventh month, in the religious calendar, there was the blowing of the shofar, or the blowing of the trumpets. And they would blow these trumpets when they, if there was, you know, if they needed to go to war, or when they were moving on from place to place, or if there was going to be a gathering of the people, the trumpets would be blown. And that speaks to us, the spiritual interpretation is that we are, we are moving on. We're hearing the, the trumpet call of the Lord, and we're moving on to, to fulfill the purposes of God in these last days. And it was also very significant that just before the Feast of Tabernacles began, there was a, a feast called the Day of Atonement, the Feast of the Day of Atonement. And this, this happened just once a year. It was one day. It was a solemn day. It was a serious day. It was dealing with the sin, not of the unbeliever, but the sin of the Hebrew people, the sin of God's people. And that was the day when... The uh, animal was, uh, ox was shared, and the blood was shared, uh, ox was killed, uh, its blood was shared, and it was the only day in the whole year when the high priest went into the Holy of Holies, and that's where the Ark was, the Ark of the Covenant. It represented the, the, the holiness, the presence of the living God, and he would go in, and he'd sprinkle the blood, and... and uh, on that day, it's like the sin of the people was covered up. It, it wasn't washed away, but it was covered up uh, for another year until it was repeated again the, the following year. And so it was, a, it was a serious day. It was a solemn day. It was a day of dealing with sin. But the thought there spiritually for us is it was a day of cleansing, of purifying of dealing with sin in our hearts. And not just dealing with sins, but dealing with that, that nature of sin. You know, the Apostle Paul could say, I am crucified with Christ. 
Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ who lives within me. And so knowing the Day of Atonement is the cleansing and, and, and purging, purifying. And the reason is, is so God can bring us. That it was, the Day of Atonement was only five days before the Feast of Tabernacles. The, the Feast of Tabernacles, it was a, the most joyous time in the whole year. And, and, but it was after they'd gone through the Day of Atonement. And there's a thought there spiritually for us that the tabernacle speaks of revival in the last days. And so before that, the Lord is seeking to cleanse his people, to purify his people, to purge his people, to deal with his people. And so we would be holy vessels, sanctified unto the Lord, giving God all the glory and ready and prepared for great revival, great revival. In fact, that feast, the, the three major feasts, Passover, Jesus became the Passover lamb and he died, when he died on the cross for our sins. It has been fulfilled. The feast of Pentecost in the Old Testament, that was fulfilled on the day of Pentecost 2,000 years ago in Acts chapter 2. But we're waiting, we're waiting. We are now... On the, we're now on the verge, we're now on the brink of coming in to the, the greatest feast in the whole year, the Feast of Tabernacles, which speaks of end-time revival, outpouring of the Holy Spirit before the return of Jesus. And so the time that we are living in is, the, is, is a very significant time. It is a wonderful time. It's a time of the, the greatest revival is coming that the world has, has, has ever known. And we are privileged to be alive in this time. But we must be prepared. We must be ready. We must allow the Holy Spirit to deal with our lives. And this feast, the Feast of Tabernacles, it was also called the Feast of Ingathering. And the reason for that is that was the main harvest of the year when they gather in all the, the crops. They gather in the grapes. They'd make the wine from the grapes. They gather in the olives. They'd make the olive oil from that. They gather in the pomegranates, the figs, the, the summer fruits, and they'd gather it in. And, and it was a great harvest time. It was a time of great rejoicing, incredible joy. And they would, they would rejoice that the harvest had been gathered in. And for us, that is speaking of that the spiritual outpouring of the uh, uh, the spiritual outpouring, God, the, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and revival in these last days, and a great ingathering, not of not of olives and grapes, but an ingathering of precious souls. We're called to be fishers of men, and gathering in the fish, gathering in the harvest, gathering in the the souls which will come to the Lord in revival. And it was also called, the Feast of Tabernacles was also known as the Feast of Booths. And they would make these temporary, these booths or temporary dwelling places, they would make them from palm leaves or from the, 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 the leaves of myrtle trees or willow trees. And they'd come together 
from their towns, from their cities, and they'd come to Jerusalem. And at Jerusalem, therefore, not just one day, but seven days, from the 15th day to the 21st day of the seventh month, they would live in booze. In other words, temporary dwelling places. They'd all come together, you know, speaking of, of unity and oneness and coming together with great joy to celebrate this Feast of Tabernacles. And it speaks of, so that, that living in, in booths, temporary dwelling places, coming together, and it speaks of a tremendous unity that God's going to bring about, uh, you know, in these last, last, last days. Now, this morning we're just going to look at another aspect of the Feast of Tabernacles, another aspect of the Feast of Tabernacles. We looked last week, we looked at this feast. It was a feast of glory. And this morning we want to zero in on it is a feast of the Lord's appearing. A feast of the Lord's appearing. Now, if we could turn to John's Gospel in chapter 7, and this is a Familiar chapter, which we, we all know well, but it's interesting when in John chapter 7, the time frame and when it occurred. And in chapter 7, it's, it's about six months, six months before Jesus went to the cross. In fact, most of John's gospel is, is most of John's gospel is about you know the, 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 the end time ministry of Jesus, the last days of Jesus, just about that, the, the week before the, Jesus going to the cross, many chapters of John's gospel, from about chapter 13 onwards to 21, uh, about that week. But chapter 7, even though it's early on, early on in the gospel, actually it's, the, the timing of it, it it's only about six months before Jesus went to the cross, the time of the Feast of Tabernacles, the time that the Feast of Tabernacles was celebrated. That was in the seventh month. And then the following, the following year, in the, in the first month of the year, was when Jesus became the Passover lamb. Now, in, in, in chapter 7 and verses 1 and 2, after these things, Jesus walked in Galilee, for he would not walk in, Jude, in, in Jury because the Jews sought to kill him. Now, at this stage of the, the ministry of Jesus, it says he was in Galilee, but he did not walk in Jury, or that means in Judea, in the province of Judea, and Jerusalem was, was, was in Judea. Uh, because there was much opposition amongst the, the priests, the, the high priests, the scribes, the religious leaders, and they wanted to kill Jesus. And so Jesus in his life, I mean, often he said in John's Gospel, my time has not yet come. There was an exact time for Jesus to go to the cross. In fact, he went to the cross on the exact day of the Old Testament feast of Passover, on the 14th day of the first month. But here, because the Jews trying to kill Jesus, he was in Galilee. And it's verse 2, little verse sort of tucked in there, but, we, but there's much significance in this verse. 
It says the, Jew, the Jews' feast of tabernacles was at hand. It wasn't the feast of Passover. It wasn't the feast of Pentecost, but it was tabernacles. The tabernac feast of tabernacles was on hand. Now, Israel's Passover was the occasion that God chose for Christ himself to die as the true Passover lamb. And also, on the great day, on the, on the great day of Pentecost, when devout Jews, they assembled from all, all different parts of the Roman Empire, they would come to Jerusalem, not just from Israel, but from surrounding countries to celebrate that, that feast. Uh, they, they would come at Passover, and they would come also at Pentecost. And that was at Pentecost, God poured out the Holy Spirit on his, on his disciples, thus fulfilling the Old Testament feast of Pentecost and establishing a new Pentecost. But here we, we look in this chapter, it speaks of the Feast of Tabernacles. And the Feast of Tabernacles, this Old Testament feast, it was observed in the time when Jesus was living, in the time of Christ. Verse 2, the Jews' Feast of Tabernacles was in hand. And in verse 3, his brethren or his brothers said unto him, Depart hence and go to Judea. So Jesus' brethren, his brothers. Now remember at that time, they did not believe on Jesus. They did not believe that their brother, their half-brother, was the, was the Messiah. But later on, they did believe and later on, they believed he was the Messiah. And Jesus' half-brother, James, he was a leader in the New Testament church. He wrote the book of James. Jesus' half-brother, Jude, he was also a leader in the, in the New Testament church. He wrote the book of Jude. But at that time, they did not believe. And, and Jesus did not want to go up with them. And... Verse 4, it says, For there is no man that doeth anything in secret, and he himself seeketh to be known openly. If thou do these things, they said to Jesus, the brothers said, Show yourself to the world. And it tells us in verse 5 that they, his brothers did not believe in him. And Jesus said to them, My time is not yet come, but your time is always ready. And verse 7, The world cannot hate you, but me it hates because I testify it, and the works thereof are evil. And then in verse 8, go ye up unto the feast. So Jesus tells them, you go up from Galilee to Jerusalem at, for the Feast of Tabernacles. You go up for this feast. And Jesus said, my time, verse 8, my time is not yet full come. It was not the time for Jesus to go up. And when he had said this, these words unto him, he, he abode, or he dwelt, there in Galilee. But when his brethren were gone up, that means to Jerusalem, then went he also up unto the feast. Not openly, but as it were in secret, as it were 
in secret. Now, Jesus intentionally visited the Feast of Tabernacles in secret, illustrating a great truth to the church because he appeared to them at the feast and it illustrated the truth of his appearing, his appearing. Now, before Jesus literally comes again at his second coming and when he returns physically, literally, the second coming of Christ, before that happens, Jesus promises, it says, he appeared in the midst of the Feast of Tabernacles. So the Lord is going to appear to his people, those who are holy, purified, those who are consecrated, those who are fully out for the Lord. God is, there'll be many appearances, you know, of the Lord himself, of the Lord. What, a, what, what wonderful things we can look forward to and have an expectation of. Now, dispensationally, the Feast of Passover, it was like the principal feast of the Old Testament. And then the Feast of Pentecost, which opened the church age with God, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2, that was like the principal feast in the church age. But the Feast of Tabernacles will be the main feast, will be the main feast during the millennium. The millennium is the 1,000 years rule of Christ on earth. So the Passover was the main feast in the Old Testament. That was about 1,500 years before Christ. And then in the church age, which is approximately 2,000 years, the, the, the main feast is the Feast of Pentecost, and the Feast of Tabernacles will be the feast that will be celebrated, the main feast during the millennium. And Zechariah 14 verse 16 tells us about that, that there'll be representatives from different countries and they will come year by year and they'll come to Jerusalem from all other nations and will worship the Lord in Jerusalem during that, at the, the Feast of Tabernacles. So... Dispensationally, the Old Testament, the Church Age, and the, and, the, and, and the Millennium. But what is the important point to us is there is a spiritual fulfillment of the Feast of Tabernacles. And there's a spiritual fulfillment for the Feast of Tabernacles for the last day church, the church in the last days, which we are in. And there will be a might, the fulfillment of the Feast of Tabernacles, as we've said, often said, is a mighty outpouring of the Holy Spirit in our days. And this, out, this coming outpouring of the Holy Spirit, it will eclipse anything that we've ever read about in the Bible or in church history. Imagine that. It's going to be greater. It's going to be greater than anything we read about in the Bible. It's going to be greater than anything that we've read about or heard about in church history. And 
it will bring a mighty harvest of souls as well as bringing the church to maturity, to perfection. So there's the spirit, this, we're on the brink of the fulfillment of the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, in the time of Jesus, in John 7, there were many conflicting statements about Jesus. You know, some were saying, you know, he's an evil man. Some were saying he's a good man. And many of the people, the common people, they, they welcomed him. But yet the Pharisees and the chief priests who were threatened, they, they wanted to kill him. And so at this feast, just six months before his death, there were many conflicting statements about Jesus. And, and his delay prepared the way for his appearance in a significant way. And it says in verse 12, chapter 7, verse 12, there was much murmuring amongst the people concerning him. Some said he's a good man. Others said, no, he deceives the people. Verse 13, Howbeit no man spoke openly of him. And why was that? They were afraid of the Jews. And then verse 14, which is a very important verse, now about the middle of the feast, in the midst of the feast. It lasted seven days, so that's approximately after about three and a half days. Jesus went up to the temple. He went up to the temple, that's in Jerusalem. He'd come from Galilee, and he went up to, into the temple, and he taught. He taught. In the midst of the, midst of the feast, Jesus, he appeared, he went up into the people, into the temple, and he taught. And he taught. Now that verse, you know, Jesus... He appeared, verse 14, Jesus, he appeared in the temple during the middle of the Feast of Tabernacles, and he taught the people. So we can see by that that the revival in the last days, there's going to be a strong emphasis on teaching, teaching the people. Jesus taught the people. And again, we see over in verse 28, then Jesus cried in the temple as he taught, as he taught. So at the Feast of Tabernacles, when Jesus was alive here in John 7, he was teaching the people. He appeared in the temple during the middle of this feast. And what did he do? He taught the people. So we can see that in the last days, the Feast of Tabernacles, it will be a feast of the appearing of Jesus, literal appearances of, not, not a second coming, but many literal appearances of Jesus. And it speaks too of him teaching the people. Teaching is so important so foundations can be built and so people can grow, so they can come to maturity, so they can go on in God. In Joel 2, in verse 23, it says there, it speaks there of the former rain moderately. The former rain moderately. And it's speaking of the last days. 
and it's speaking of the former rain moderately and, and the rain coming down. And then the, the, the former rain and the latter rain coming down in the first month. And in the margin for the former rain moderately, in the margin of my Bible and no doubt many other Bibles, there's an alternative rendering of that little phrase, the former rain moderately, and that is teachers of righteousness. And so we see the association between the reign of the Holy Spirit and teachers of righteousness. In Daniel, which is a prophetic book, Daniel 11.33, speaking of the last days, and it says, and they, that under, and they that understand among the people shall instruct many. And in the New Testament, Paul writes to Timothy, 2 Timothy 2.2, 2 Timothy 2.2, 2, 2. and the, he says to Timothy, the things that you have heard of me among many witnesses, those same things commit to faithful men, and so that those faithful men, they in turn will be able to teach others. And then in that same chapter, Paul writes to Timothy again, and he, he, he exhorts Timothy, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that does not need to be ashamed, but who can rightly divide the word of truth, rightly, you know, discern, interpret the, the word of truth, the word of God. And, you know, with this COVID that we're going through and, and, and everything else, you know, in, in times like these, often... People maybe would have more time than, than they... Some people will anyway, others will not. But it's a time, it's a time that God has given us that we would get ready, that we would be prepared for the outpouring of the Spirit that is coming. And obviously not everyone is going to be teach, have a ministry gift of a teacher, no. But I believe in, in some level, you know, in some level, we can, we can all teach. I mean, it doesn't mean you're going to be teaching from a pulpit necessarily, but there'll be those teaching Sunday school, those teaching youth, those teaching in small groups, those teaching in home meetings, or even just one-on-one, just, -on -one, just teaching someone the basics who's, who's come to the Lord. And there'll be so many people coming to the Lord. It's going to need every one of us to be able to impart truth and teaching uh, so that these ones can get established in God. And this is so important because that we're living in times of great deception. There'll be terrible deception. There'll be all kinds of errors. There'll be all kinds of false doctrine. There'll be false Christ, false prophets, false teachers will be abounding. But now is the time. Now is the time to prepare. Now is the time to study. Now is the time to pray. Now is the time to ask God to purge us and cleanse us and prepare us for the amazing things that are coming. Now, if we go in the same chapter to verse 37, and this is, again, it's a familiar verse, but often when people preach it, they associated it with Pentecost. 
And, and I have done that myself. And, and that's, that's not wrong because often verses can be interpreted. There can be different applications of that same verse. But I want to draw out this. I want to. I want to. I want to emphasize this morning that the main interpreta- interpretation of verse thirty-seven is not concerning the baptism of the Spirit. It's not concerning the feast of Pentecost. But the main interpretation is concerning the feast of Tabernacles, and it's that familiar verse. Most of us know it. In the last day, the great day of the feast. So. Seven days the feast. It was the greatest feast on the the whole year. And the last day was the greatest day of those seven days. And Jesus stood and cried, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. And out of his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. And we know he's speaking about the Holy Spirit. So this truth of those verses, it applies more to the last day outpouring of the Holy Spirit during the celebration of the Feast of Tabernacles than to the outpouring of the Spirit on the day of Pentecost in the early church. And, you know, in the last days, river, in the last days, rivers of living water, rivers of living water will flow from the church. And those rivers of living water Ezekiel, he had a, in the Old Testament, he had a vision of this. And in Ezekiel, if we, in Ezekiel chapter 47, it speaks there in chapter 47, and it speaks of the vi- a vision Ezekiel had. And Ezekiel, he was an amazing prophet. And God gave him clear dimensions of a temple. And we read about it from Ezekiel 40 to 47. And it was a temple that has not yet been built. It's never been built. But there were clear, specific directions for the, for the building of that, of that temple. And that temple, called Ezekiel Temple, will not be built until the millennium. And it will take seven years to build. And, you know, Pastor Bailey has seen a vision of that temple of Ezekiel. And he's seen David, King David, stand, you know, as, as, as king and prince, you know, in front of that temple. And it tells us in verse 47 that Ezekiel saw in his vision after that temple had been built for the millennium in Jerusalem that from Underneath the threshold, from the Holy of Holies, from beneath, water came up. There was water. It just started very, just a trickle, a trickle, a trickle. And we read in in chapter 47, verse 1, it says, After he brought me again into the door of the house, and behold, waters issued out of it from the threshold of the house eastward. From, for the forefront of the house stood towards the east, and waters came down from the right side of the house at the south of the altar. Now, this is the great river of life that will flow from the temple in Jerusalem. 
during the millennium. And great multitudes will receive life and healing during the Feast of Tabernacles in the last days of the church age, as is seen by this river of life in the millennial reign of Christ. In verse 9, and verse 9 of Ezekiel 47, and it tells us there, And it came to pass that everything that lives, which moves, whithersoever the rivers shall come, shall live. There'll be life. And what happened is that water, it came out of the temple, from underneath the threshold of the temple. It began to flow in an easterly direction towards the River Jordan, the Dead Sea. And then it got deeper. And then it got then Ezekiel saw this man. The water was first to the ankles. And then the water got deeper as it flowed in an easterly direction. It was then to the knees. Then it was to the thighs. And then it became a river and he was able to swim in. And that went from the temple all the way down to the Dead Sea. And when that, dead, when that river hit the Dead Sea, the Dead Sea, is, it's dead. Fish cannot live in it. It's full of minerals. But when that river touches the Dead Sea, it is life. It becomes life. And there's life. And the fish, are, uh, fish will be swarming. All kinds of different fish will be in it. And a multitude of fish that speaks about being gathered in. In verse 9, and it says, everything in the river shall live. So there'll be life in the river. There'll be fish in the river. A great, and it says in verse 9, a, vi a very great multitude of fish. Not, not just a multitude of fish, not just a great multitude of fish, but a very great multitude of fish. Jesus said to Peter, we're called to be fishers of men. So it speaks there of a huge, a huge ingathering of souls. Multitudes of people coming to the Lord, as coming to receive Christ as Savior and Lord and coming into the kingdom of God. And it says, and it says also in verse 9, and for they shall be healed and everything, everything shall live whether the river comes. So in verse 9, we see three things. We see life, great life. We see a multitude of fish, souls to be gathered into the kingdom of God, and there is healing. And during this Feast of Tabernacles, there's going to be great demonstrations, great demonstrations of the healing power of Christ. Men and women and even children will be mightily used of God to pray for the sick, to see incredible miracles take place. And uh, life healing. Getting back to John 7, verse 38. He that believes on me, verse 38, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. That water, it, fl it flowed from the temple and it got deeper and deeper and it turned into a river and it brought life and healing and blessing. And God wants to use us and prepare us to be such a way that we are so conformed to the measure of the, the, the stature of Christ in our lives. We've let God do such a work of grace in our lives to purge us, to cleanse us, to purify us 
that we can be containers of that life and that from our lives a river will flow. From our lives a river of life will go and it will, it will bring life. It will bring healing. It will bring deliverance. It will bring, it will bring much glory to God and the power of God will throw, flow through our lives. In Jerusalem, on that last day of the Feast of Tabernacle, people were confused about Ezekiel's vision. They acknowledged that the visions were of God, that they, and they had an understand, some understanding of Ezekiel and Ezekiel's vision in chapter 47, which says a, a river will flow out of the temple. But they thought that Herod's temple was the fulfillment of the temple which Ezekiel saw. And so, at the time of Jesus, Herod's temple was standing. And so, they thought that that was a fulfillment of it. But, of course, it was not. It was the fulfillment was, was what Ezekiel saw in vision. And they were trying to bring to pass what Ezekiel saw. Uh, you know, a river coming out from the temple. And there was a certain ceremony in the time of Jesus that happened on this last day of the Feast of Tabernacles. And the, pre the priests, they marched in solemn procession, and they marched down to, the sea of, down to the Pool of Siloam. And there at the Pool of Siloam, they filled their vases with water, and then they would return, and in procession, they'd go back to the temple. And then their vases of water, they would pour over the tip, they would pour over the steps of the temple. And the water would trickle down the steps of Herod's temple. And they thought that was the fulfillment of the temple which Ezekiel saw. But they were trying to bring to pass what Ezekiel saw. You know, a river coming out of the temple. And as mentioned, Jesus spoke these words at the Feast of Tabernacles. Not at the Feast of Pentecost. And the river of God will flow out of the midst of the church, which will be a fulfillment of Ezekiel's vision. And also out of the belly of believers will flow rivers of living water of the Holy Spirit. And these rivers will bring conviction of sin, salvation, healing, and miracles to the multitudes in these last days. You know, it's so easy for us to get our focus, our eyes on the trouble, on the trouble in the nation, the terrible things that are happening, the protests, the rioting, the violence, the, the, the wildfires, the, the floodings. And if our focus and our heart and our attention is just on that, it's just going to take us down, 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 down. But God wants our focus to be different. Now, we acknowledge, of course, what is happening, but our focus must be on the Lord 
must be on Christ, must be on what's coming, must be on the greatest revival that has ever taken place in the history of the world. And I believe there's going to be many, many overcomers and pray that we'll be one of those who will be conformed to the image of Christ. You know, when the authorities tried to capture Jesus, they were not able to do so. We see that in chapter 7. That's at the time of the Feast of Tabernacles. In verse 30, it says, And they sought to take him, they, and they wanted to take him to kill him. But no man laid hands on him, because his hour was not yet come. They wanted to kill him, but they couldn't. That'll be the same in the last days. People will want to, want to kill certain believers who are boldly preaching, but they won't be able. His hour has not yet come. Jesus had an hour, an exact time to go to the cross. We have got, there's a time to be born, there's a time to die. We have an exact time when God is appointed for us to finish this life on earth. In verse 32, it says, The Pharisees heard that the people murmured much things concerning him. And the Pharisees and the chief priests sent officers to take him, to catch him, to kill him. They were not able. He was right in their midst, walking about in a visible, physical body. But they had no power to touch him. And nobody can touch us unless God allow it if we're committed to him. So Jesus taught us by his appearance at this feast some of the great spiritual truths that are yet to take place. Just think. There'll be no country on earth that is clo be closed to the gospel. The authorities will send the police to arrest someone who is powerfully preaching the gospel and working the works of Christ. He will have disappeared, for he shall be caught away in the spirit like Philip. God took Philip. He was in one place. Supernaturally, God put him in another place about 30 or 40 miles away. That kind of thing will be commonplace. They might fire a shot and the bullet will glance off a person's brow as it would from a heavy plate of metal. They may poison his food, but it will be like adding vitamins to his diet. They may put the overcomer in prison, but by night the angel of the Lord will unlock the prison doors, bring the captives captive out, set him free, and then prop, promptly lock the prison doors again, like Peter. He may be cast to the lions or to fierce beasts, and these fierce animals will become his good friends, like Daniel. He may be thrown into the fiery flames of fire and yet not be hurt in any way, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Maybe if there's no food, you shall call down manna from heaven. If there's a river to cross, he shall raise his hands and the waters shall roll back before him. So he can walk over in dry, dry, dry ground. Like Moses and the children of Israel. You know, even the most powerful nuclear bomb 
shall be perfectly harmless to the man or woman or child who is hidden away in the secret place of the Most High. I mean, Jesus said, he said, nothing shall be impossible unto the man, the woman, the child who believes. If you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you'll say unto this tree, be removed, plant it to another place. And it will, be, it will happen. It will come to pass. Nothing shall be impossible. And so, you know, glorious things are ahead of us. The river of God is going to flow, bringing life, bringing healing, bringing health, bringing blessing, bringing provision, bringing protection. And oh, what a privilege we can have to be a part of the purposes of God in these last days. Let us be very serious in our Christian life. Let us be fully consecrated to the Lord. It is a time. It is a time to live for the Lord. It is a time to pray. It is a time to seek the Lord. It is a time to study. It is a time to press into God with all our heart. It's a time to be fully consecrated unto the Lord. Isaiah 47, verse 9, tells us, in that river, in that river, there was life. And God wants his life to flow through us. In that river, there are a multitude of fish, many souls. And God wants us to be instrumental of bringing the harvest in. And when the harvest comes in, God wants us to be used of him to teach them and to help them and to nourish them to go on for the Lord. And it says in that river, there'll be healing in that river. Oh God, Father, we pray. Lord, prepare us. Prepare us, Lord. Even for the spiritual fulfillment of the Feast of Tabernacles the greatest revival in the history of the world. Lord, we thank you. You have a specific place and part for every one of our lives. Oh, God. Lord, we just give ourselves afresh to you. Take us, oh, God. Cause us to be vessels in your hands to be prepared vessels, to be fitted, prepared for the glory of God. Lord, seal this truth in Jesus' name. Seal these truths to each of our hearts. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.